Thank you, Tim, for that prayer supplication, and thank you all for being here this morning. Thank you, Pastor Mark, for doing a great job in the leading of our singing at Al, Al Capone style. <laughs> Acapella. <laughs> I could have said acupuncture. But anyway, in your Bibles, if you would, turn to... We're not in First John for this Sunday um, as we're preparing to celebrate Easter. We're focusing on the week we call Holy Week or Passion Week. And, um, and so just go back with me in your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19. And, and I want to do a, a flyover of those events leading up to Jesus' crucifixion uh, as we look at um, the celebration of the resurrection next Sunday. And so the title of the message is Journey to the Cross. And uh, as I was praying over and thinking about this message, I, I remember one time Jan and I went over to visit with Sister Dolores Royal, and she was still working at Baptist Hospital, and she had an interesting little device sitting on a counter in the kitchen. It was a countdown clock. It was a countdown clock to her retirement. And it measured, you know, like it was counting down days, and it was counting down hours and, and minutes, uh, and right on up to her retirement. And I thought that was so neat. And, and maybe some of you got a countdown clock. Whether you have an actual me mechanical countdown clock, I, I suspect that probably within each of us or many of us, there's some type of a countdown clock, you know. As I think about uh, Haley and, and Matt, you know, there, there's a countdown clock going towards that wedding day, you know. I'm sure you're counting down the months, the weeks, or at least Haley is. Matt's probably oblivious and she'll, she'll tell him, you know, maybe the day before. You know, think about Ann and Ramon. There's a countdown clock for a baby that's on the way. And, you know, and, and we're along with you, counting down the months, counting down the weeks and the days. And, and, and maybe some of you are getting ready to retire. And you've got your own count. You're counting down those days. You know, hallelujah. Free at last. I know Betsy's counting down the days to Cindy's retirement. I, I hope... I hope Cindy is nearly as excited about retirement as Betsy is, uh, Cindy retiring. Uh, but anyway, uh, but you know, as you think about, you know, people, I think about young people, you know, they, they count down to the days, you know, to, to the day they get their driver's license. You know, they can just, you know, so many more years, so many more months, you know, weeks, days, you know, or, or, you know, I know as a kid, I used to have a countdown clock when it came to school, you know, <laughs> starting with the first day of school, I was counting down to the last day of school. You know, and I'm sure maybe some teachers, I think about Sister Jessica, you know, and Ryan, they're, they're probably counting down to the end of the school year. But, but I want to submit, just with that in the back of your mind, that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God's Son, had a countdown clock. Not a technical, mechanical clock. But before the dawn of history, there was set forth in the divine plan of God an appointment that the Son of God would have with a cross on a hill called Golgotha. And with the very words of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that clock towards Calvary began to tick. And Jesus knew that. And all the way, it began with creation. And it would alarm, if you will, it would, it would expire, if you will, when the Son of God would hang on that cross in absolute agony and cry out in his final words as recorded in the scriptures, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Imagine existing and knowing that you have an appointment with a death on a cross. And so as we think about the Passion Week, the Holy Week, beginning today, which is traditionally Palm Sunday, will you also go back in your mind? Will you, will you allow yourself to be transported back in your spirit, back to the events leading up to the, the death of our Savior? the sacrificial death of the Lamb of God on the cross. And will you reflect? And so in, in the message this morning, I want you to see in Jesus' journey to the cross that, that you know, actually began even before the, the Holy Week, before His triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The Lord had a providential destination, if you will, with the cross and where He would pay the price for your sins and my sins. Understand this, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus was not a misguided martyr. Nor was he a, uh, a victim of circumstances gone bad. His, his earthly ministry was not characterized by randomly wandering about doing good. But, but was very precisely planned and providentially ordained series of everything that happened in the life of our Lord and Savior, beginning with his birth in that stable in Bethlehem, was planned precisely in the mind of God. And Jesus' perfect desire in this life was to do the will of God the Father. And so we see that unfolding. There was in the life of Christ a call a providential call, an unavoidable call, if you will. Before we move forward in chapter 19, could I help you to see that where this calling is manifested a few times, even before we get to chapter 19. If you go back in your Bible to Matthew chapter 16, I want you to see, this is right after Peter's wonderful profession of faith in Jesus. When Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the, of, of the living God. And then shortly after that, Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. This is no secret to them. They, they knew they had heard him say this. He didn't hold this back from them. Again, in chapter 17 of Matthew's gospel, if you look over there, at verse 22, chapter uh, 17, verse 22. Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And the third day he will be raised up. So I just want you to understand that there was this calling upon the, on the life of Jesus. He, is, he, he as the Son of God would be fulfilling a mission that involved him going to the cross. He knew his destination. And not only did he know it, I want you to understand that Jesus willingly, willingly, he wasn't a victim. He willingly laid his life down as a sacrificial lamb of God to pay the price for our redemption from the penalty of our sins. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 12 says in verse 2. Looking into, unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. 
despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You understand that Jesus, not only willingly, but he endured the, the, the cross that he might experience the joy of doing the perfect will of God the Father. There was a cross before him. As we look in chapter 19, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings, he's been teaching in the region of Galilee, that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. So Jesus is technically ending his ministry in Galilee where he ministered for the majority of his earthly life. There's a shift now. There's a call on his life. He's, he, there's a time clock ticking. There, there's a schedule. And he knows that what awaits him, he must fulfill. And so he's moving now towards Jerusalem. And if you saw a map, you would see the Jordan River. And now Jesus is just on the eastern side of the, the Jordan River in a region known as Perea. And, and I want you to see something. That as Jesus is moving towards Jerusalem and towards the cross, he is doing so with intentionality. But before we focus on the cross of Christ, might I also remind you, there's a cross and a call into a cross for you and me. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16. He's telling his disciples and ladies and gentlemen, this is all of us who are born again believers and true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, then Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. You too have an appointment with a cross. Jesus said to, to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You understand that being a true follower of Jesus Christ involves sacrifice. Jesus paid it all in terms of the redemption of our sins, but to follow Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, there is a cost. And there are regular sacrifices involved if we are to be authentic followers of Christ. In other words, our cross, our personal cross, for me, I have my own cross to bear. Those are, there are things in my life that Jesus expects me to endure and to sacrifice as a demonstration of my faith in Christ and my relationship with Him. But so do you. We can't bear the cross that Jesus bore for us because we're not the perfect children of God. We're, we're not sinless. Only Jesus could bear that cross. But guess what? You can't bear my cross. Nor can I bear your cross. The cross that comes with your relationship with Jesus Christ authenticates your faith. None of us like to have to suffer. None of us cherish the idea of sacrificing, whether it be friendships or job promotions or opportunities, uh, uh, social opportunities. None of us enjoy that. But the fact is, sometimes in following Christ, there are sacrifices. In fact, it's not a chance. There will be sacrifices. If you want to know you have true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then just examine your life and ask yourself, what is it costing me? 
You've heard that old expression, no cross, no crown. Going back to Jesus now in Matthew chapter 19, I want you to see the fruitful pilgrimage of our Lord to the holy city. It's not like Jesus just got up one morning and says, oh, time to go to Jerusalem. Let's go. Everybody pack your bags. This is going to be an express trip. No, Jesus, along the way to Jerusalem, we see in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is, is continuing to teach kingdom lessons. In chapter 19, verse 3, when the Pharisees are testing him about the matter of divorce, Jesus seizes upon that moment to teach them God's perspective, the kingdom perspective on marriage and divorce. And he's continued to teach them down in verse 11 in chapter 19. He's teaching about celibacy and the importance of, uh, as his disciples are understanding that, in marriage and then he also uses the opportunity in verse 13 to, to teach the, the sacredness and the, and the wonder of children I mean Jesus even as he is going even as he's looking ahead to the cross that looms ahead of him he's seizing every moment to teach but not only that on his way to Jerusalem the Lord continues to work kingdom miracles in verse 2 of chapter 19, do you see there what it says? Even as Jesus was there, camped out on the eastern side of the river Jordan, getting ready to head towards Jerusalem, it says in verse 2, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. And we'll see as we continue on that Jesus continually is teaching and he's continually healing as he's moving in the direction of the, of the holy city, if you will. Jesus continues to predict his oncoming death in chapter 20. We see Jesus is, is, is teaching his disciples about the, the, the parable of the workers in the vineyard and he's helping them to understand that God is faithful. Though he may not seem fair, God is faithful. He will give us the rewards that he promises us. In, in verse 17, Jesus, it says, Then Jesus, going to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside the, uh, on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going.